one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Wednesday, August 29th. Uh, I apologize. It's later at night. So this episode probably won't go out until just after midnight. It's actually 9, 9.20 p.m. where I live. Um, it's been a busy day of school. Huge show today. I'm back in a polo. I meant to wear a long sleeve shirt today. I actually sat down even and was like, you know, it's just still too hot. I just can't, I can't wear my standard long sleeve shirt. I'm just, I guess maybe polos are my new look. I don't know. Um, we have a huge show today. I want to jump right in. The biggest story of the day is that the New York Jets have traded their quarterback or traded one of their quarterbacks. Let me repeat that again. The New York Jets have traded quarterback Teddy Bridgewater to the New Orleans Saints. In the trade, the Saints received Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, they got the Jets' 2019 sixth-round pick. In the trade, the Jets, what the Jets got was the Saints' 2019 third-round pick. So again, the Saints got Teddy Bridgewater and a sixth-round pick. The Jets got a third-round pick. I love this trade so much. I, I actually think that the, the Saints clearly easily won the trade. I think that the Jets really could have got more for him. I, I don't know. I guess the market clearly didn't bear that. Uh, but I want to make a comparison real quick. Growing up, my friend's family had this awesome car. I remember when I was 20 years old, their car was getting up there. It's this old SUV. They'd had it for like 17 years. And this SUV was, man, they'd gotten up to like over 250,000 miles. This SUV, they went on road trips in it. They loved, loved their family car. And right again, as their car got to 250,000 miles, they started test driving other cars. The Saints are test driving Teddy Bridgewater. The Saints are giving Teddy Bridgewater a tryout. It's very similar, actually, to what the San Francisco 49ers did last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. They traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. They got to have him for a year on their roster, even played in a couple games, and said, oh, yeah, this guy has it. We're going to keep him around. That is what the Saints are doing with Teddy Bridgewater. Now, my guess, my prediction is Teddy Bridgewater will be the next step. He will be the next quarterback after Drew Brees retires in New Orleans. I love that move. Remember, Drew Brees is 39 years old, and in January, he turns 40. He's 18 years into his NFL career. So I think the Saints are like, you know, we want to get a chance to see what Teddy Bridgewater has. And I love this move for so many reasons. I'm surprised, first of all, I want to say I'm surprised that it was the Saints that traded for Teddy Bridgewater. We, I honestly thought that a team with an average middle-of-the-road quarterback, a Bengals with Andy Dalton, you know, maybe a the Jaguars with Blake Bortles, maybe... The you know Buccaneers with Jameis Winston. I thought a team like that was going to trade for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm surprised that the Saints were the team that went after him. But it, I, I don't think it could have worked out any better. I love, love this move from the Saints' perspective. It's interesting. The Saints only had to give up a third-round pick. That's much less than I thought he was worth. I thought the Jets could have gotten a starter for Teddy Bridgewater. I thought they could trade for a starting offensive lineman, maybe also a pick. For the Saints to acquire Teddy Bridgewater for only the low price of a third-round pick, that's actually a really, really good trade. I like that. And what that does suggest is that maybe the market for Teddy Bridgewater just wasn't there. Maybe there wasn't as much interest as people thought there was in trading for Teddy Bridgewater. Now, again, for the Saints, this is a fantastic deal. Teddy Bridgewater is 25 years old. He's been to a Pro Bowl. He even led the Vikings once to the playoffs. Here's the thing. If Teddy Bridgewater never plays this year, he makes the Saints better. He's going to help Drew Brees in the film room. He's been around the league. He knows the league. He's going to enhance Drew Brees. I believe that. 
Also, you know, I think the roles are clear. The thing that helps Teddy Bridgewater in this situation is it's clear. Drew Brees is the starting quarterback in New Orleans. There's no question about that. So I bet that because Drew Brees is on his way out and because he's established, he might actually help Teddy Bridgewater learn the ropes and and grow a little bit as a quarterback. I think, honestly, it's a mutual relationship where they're both going to benefit each other. I, I love this idea that Teddy Bridgewater could help Drew Brees and Drew Brees could actually help Teddy Bridgewater. Because eventually Drew Brees is going to retire. He's aware of that. And I think he's the kind of guy that would help Teddy Bridgewater come in behind him. Uh, New, New Orleans is really Teddy Bridgewater's dream landing spot. It's fantastic. I've talked about this before. Teddy Bridgewater has a weaker arm. I don't want to see Teddy Bridgewater in Buffalo trying to start eight games a year. That's It's too cold. His arm isn't strong enough. I don't like that. Teddy Bridgewater works really, really well in the South and even better in New Orleans where they play indoors. Teddy Bridgewater plays nine games a season indoors with the Saints because you play the Falcons in Georgia in their dome and you play eight games at home in New Orleans. Not to mention you play an extra game in Florida in Tampa Bay. It's fantastic. There could not be a better landing spot for Teddy Bridgewater as far as ability because, again, the South is good. He doesn't want to go to Green Bay. He doesn't want to go to Buffalo or Cleveland. It would not be good for his arm strength. So I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Teddy Bridgewater so much. I'm so excited. I, uh, it's, it's a comeback story. People don't realize this guy was once a franchise quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater was the man in Minnesota. He got injured and we, he lost everything. He, was, he led the Vikings to the playoffs. I, I think this is great. Teddy Bridgewater is a redemption story trying to bring it back. And I hope that someday he is the starting quarterback in New Orleans. I'm very excited. It's a good move for the Saints. It's a good move for Teddy Bridgewater. It's, it's fantastic. Could not be better. And here's the other thing is looking ahead at the quarterbacks in the NFL draft in the next couple of years, Teddy Bridgewater's better than all the guys that are going to be in the NFL draft next year, especially next year. If you want to, if the Saints were to try to draft Drew Brees' replacement next year, I don't think it's out there. I don't know that the quarterbacks in next year's NFL draft class are good enough to really step in year one and make an impact. And so I'm, I'm glad the Saints got ahead of things. They're test driving cars while their car is still running, which is good. I like that. They're, they're getting ready for the next step, and I'm really glad the Saints traded for Teddy Bridgewater. It's a, it's a great move for both sides. It gives Teddy Bridgewater time to acclimate to the offense, and, and it gives the Saints a chance to see, oh, does Teddy Bridgewater really have it? Is he our guy? We have him for a year on contract. If we like him, we can re-sign him for a long-term deal, and eventually he might be able to replace Drew Brees. I love, I love, I love this move for Teddy Bridgewater and for the Saints. All right, we have a huge show today. We're going to talk about Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is now the starting quarterback with the New York Jets. I have a lot to say about that. Uh, the NFL is considering adding two games to its regular season. And I don't know that the NFL is considering that as much as Jerry Jones proposed the idea. I think it's really stupid. I'll talk about that. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but I'll, I'll briefly mention it. I'm going to give the New York Giants credit. I've been so, so hard on the New York Giants. I, I want to give them some credit here. I think they did massively improve their roster. We'll talk about that. I love Nebraska's new head coach, Scott Frost. I have a great story about that. I'm going to talk about the week one of college football. If I was a viewer, I would want to hear what are the best games uh, for college football week one. I'm going to do that for you guys. I'm going to give you guys my opinions, who I think will win, why the game is interesting and worth watching. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers' new deal. Aaron Rodgers signed the biggest contract in NFL history today. Uh, we're going to talk about Cam Newton. He looks really good in the preseason. And finally, towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about Jalen Ramsey. He's been talking a lot. Is it good? Is it bad? We'll discuss it. 
We're going to talk about Adrian Peterson. And finally, the Seahawks are making some very telling moves. They've been signing some people and adding some people on their roster that is... uh, it's interesting to say the less, and it's very telling about the direction the NFL is going. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. Uh, let's jump into things. I want to talk about Sam Darnold. So the Jets have now announced Sam Darnold as their starting quarterback for week one of the NFL season. And I I don't really, I'm not broken up about this. I'm not angry. I think it's a good move. I think Sam is ready. He's as ready as he's going to be for week one. And uh, I I think Sam Darnold is ready to start for the New York Jets. Now, here's my cautionary tale. He's going to be ugly at times. He's going to play ugly games. He's going to have bad moments, boneheaded interceptions. He's going to make mistakes. He's developing. I say this all the time about rookie quarterbacks. I don't have a beard right now, and if I were to try to grow a beard, it would take about two months. And between not having a beard and having a beard, there's ugly growth in between. There's an ugly growth period. That is what Sam Darnold is in. If you're a Jets fan, if they lose initially, if they struggle, if he doesn't look good, just be patient. That's all I ask. My only fear with starting Sam Darnold, I think he's ready to play. He'll do somewhat well. He's going to have success this year. My only fear is don't panic and don't expect too much from him. And in September, in October, Sam Darnold's 21 years old. He's the youngest quarterback to start week one in NFL history. So be easy on the guy. Give Sam Darnold time. He's going to struggle. He's going to throw bad interceptions. It's going to be ugly, but it's going to be better for him as a player to start now. He's going to grow. He's going to improve. I just really hope Jets fans are not too hard on him early. Look, I think... He potentially could be rookie of the year. It's very possible. Uh, he's the only quarterback this year that I think even could be rookie of the year because he's going to play all year. Now, I think it's more likely Calvin Ridley or a guy who has a, a bigger impact on the offense immediately because Calvin Ridley is going to put up great numbers with Matt Ryan. In contrast, Sam Darnold's going to struggle somewhat as a rookie quarterback playing for the Jets, but I do think there's potential he could be the rookie of the year. But I don't know, man. I just I, I think Sam Darnold's going to have a lot of success. I believe in him. I think he's the best quarterback in this draft class. And here's what I like. When I work on a car, I, I like to do it myself because I learn more when I do it myself. And I think Sam Darnold is going to learn more by doing it himself, by playing and starting in games, than if he was watching Josh McCown or Teddy Bridgewater play. But when I work on a car, I do the work myself, but I have my buddy over my shoulder giving me advice, teaching me, hey, you should turn the wrench this way or... Put, take this part out first or put a glove over your hand because you're going to burn yourself here. You get little tips and little tricks that help you do the job. Josh McCown, the backup quarterback for the Jets, is the older brother looking over Sam Darnold's shoulder. He's going to guide the way. He's going to help him learn. He's going to point out little tricks and things he can do better. I feel really good about Sam Darnold starting week one. I don't know that he's going to be incredibly successful early, but I, I think he, it's, this is not going to ruin his development. He's ready to play. He can handle it. He's going to struggle. But long-term, Sam Darnold will be okay. I I think if you start Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills week one, you could potentially ruin his career. Sam Darnold is different. Sam Darnold is ready to go. I like the Jets starting Sam Darnold week one. I just hope Jets fans have tempered expectations. Here's the thing. I want to talk about the Giants. 
I have been so, so hard on the New York Giants for a long, long time. The minute the NFL draft happened, I said, what are you doing? I said, I would have drafted Sam Darnold. Remember, it seemed like a big mistake to me that the Giants passed on Sam Darnold. Eli Manning is 37 years old. His play is declining. I, I, I thought it was a big mistake for the Giants to pass on Sam Darnold. Now, all that being said, though, I want to give the Giants some credit. I have not given the Giants credit in a long, long time. I've been incredibly hard on them. So I want to talk about their offseason because they really significantly improved this offseason. The first thing I love the Giants did this offseason, they added their new head coach, Pat Shermer, from the Minnesota Vikings. From day one, the things I've read recently about the Giants is that he came into the locker room and has been changing the culture. Remember, the Giants' culture last year was awful. Eli Apple, a corner, was getting called out by his players, and teams were calling it, players were calling him cancer in the locker room. The locker room last year for the New York Giants was a mess. Apparently, Pat Shermer is fixing things. That's awesome. But they didn't just add a good coach and change the culture. They added left tackle Nate Solder. They upgraded the offensive line. They got a fantastic new running back, Saquon Barkley. A great, I, I, look, I admit, he's the best running back in the draft. I criticized the Giants for drafting him, but he's going to be a great player nonetheless. And now all their wide receivers are healthy. They signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a long-term deal. I, I don't hate the Giants this year. People, I think the perception of me is that I hate the Giants. I don't. I, they massively improved. They're a much better team this year than last year. But when I say they're better, I'm going to give you an inch. Don't take a mile. If I say, I'll drive you to the store, don't say, don't ask on the right way to the store if I'll drive you to Taco Bell, your girlfriend's house, the library, yada, yada. I'm going to take you to the store. I'm going to give you a little bit of credit. Don't take it too far. I think it's unreasonable for Giants fans to say, we're going to go from 3-13 and 13 last year to making the playoffs, maybe winning a Super Bowl. Giants fans that talk about the Super Bowl right now are delusional. I, I, I just, that's too far. But I, I got to give them some, them some credit. I was pretty hard on them in my prediction show. I think the Giants could go 8-8. Eight and eight. I, I do. I, I think the Giants have massively improved their roster. Even with Eli Manning, who I think is a bad quarterback. But I think it's interesting. Eli Manning has a ton of help now. He has a great offensive coach, Pat Shermer, who helped get the best out of Case Keenum. He has a great new running back, a left tackle. Receivers are healthy. Got Odell Beckham Jr. signed. If Eli Manning can't make it happen this year, he's done. I'm already out on him. I don't believe in him. But if he, if he can't make it happen, I hope the Giants cut him or something. Because he has every reason to be successful. If he doesn't, he's a bum. Like the reason why is Eli Manning still there? The reason why Eli Manning is still in New York and the reason why every Giants fan defends him for years to come is because they say, well, <clears throat> Eli Manning won us a Super Bowl, two Super Bowls. Okay, that's great. But that's the past and the past is over. What was Eli Manning like last year without Odell Beckham Jr.? He was bad. He wasn't good. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't the worst, but he wasn't high level. He wasn't a quarterback I'd be proud to call my quarterback. It's not good. The Giants are a much, much better team this year. The pressure's on Eli Manning. He's 37 years old. I would have drafted Sam Darnold. I would have moved on from Eli Manning if I was the Giants. But they, they said, you know what? We're going to support Eli Manning. We're going to invest in him. Look, the Giants upgraded their roster. They're a much better team this year than they were last year. But I don't buy Eli Manning. That's my hangup. That's, I'm sorry, Giants fans. I love your team. I think your team is great. I like your head coach. 
I like your roster. I don't buy Eli. I just don't believe in Eli. And look, week six, week five or six, I'll come back and revisit this topic. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm willing to be wrong. But I think it's also possible that week 13, 12, 11, Giants fans are calling for Eli Manning to be cut. Because if he really struggles, oh, that's a mess. Because they've given him every opportunity. They've given him every tool. But I want to give Giants credit. Again, the point of this topic was to say the Giants did improve. The Giants are better. I don't think I, I think I predicted them to go four and twelve or three and thirteen. That's too harsh. They're a better team than that. Their roster is much better, and their culture is better because they got rid of Ben McAdoo. So, Giants fans, I owe you an apology. I was a little too harsh, and uh, hope we can still be friends. <laughs> I, I, you probably hate me. That's fine. I don't buy Eli Manning. That's a big deal for you guys. But um, they're they're much better this year than they were last year. So this was potentially the biggest story of the day. I, I thought Teddy Bridgewater, that, that was more meaningful to me as the lead story for today's show. Um, but today, Aaron Rodgers signed the biggest contract in NFL history, the largest contract, the money, the contract worth the most money in NFL history. Aaron Rodgers signed a four-year extension worth $134 million dollars. It's, there was a 57.5, sorry, yeah, $57.5 million signing bonus. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is now signed with the Packers through 2023, and he was given $103 million guaranteed. That's unbelievable. That's more than Matt Ryan's $100 million guaranteed. And I'm sure he said, I want that extra three so I can one-up Matt Ryan. I guarantee that's what happened. But at the same time, we everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers' Signing this big contract. And it's, look, it's great. Clearly, they're committing to Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, the same day they re-signed Aaron Rodgers, they also traded away Aaron Rodgers' backup. Aaron Rodgers' backup, Brett Hundley, was traded to the Seattle Seahawks today for a 2019 sixth-round pick. If you remember last year when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, Brett Hundley had 1,836 yards. He had nine touchdowns. And 12 interceptions. And despite those numbers, those numbers are not great. He didn't, he didn't really play that well. Um, despite those bad numbers last year, Brett Hundley was the backup in Green Bay. I watched a lot of their preseason. That's the guy. That, that was their number two guy was Brett Hundley. It wasn't Deshaun Kaiser. It wasn't, uh, what's his name? Oh, I love him too. I, what's his name right now? I'm forgetting. It wasn't Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle, I, I am a fan of their undrafted quarterback, Tim Boyle. I've watched him a lot. I forget his name all the time, but I do like him. But Deshaun, sorry, excuse me, Brett Hundley was the backup. What does that mean? Why would the Packers trade away their backup quarterback? It's pretty clear. Their backup quarterback doesn't matter. What the Packers told you today was, without Aaron Rodgers, we can't win games. Here's $134 million dollars. You're our entire team. We can't win without you. And I love it. Aaron Rodgers was paid exactly what he's worth. He is the Green Bay Packers. He's probably the face of the league. But the Packers can't win without him. And they realize that. They're like, why, are we, why do we have Brett Hundley? We have this weird controversy. We like Deshaun Kaiser. We like Brett Hundley. And we like Tim Boyle. Let's get rid of one of these guys because guess what? They don't matter. If Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, we can't win games anyways. So why bother? I, I agree with this move. I, I, it's a good move. The Packers also have Deshaun Kaiser on their roster. Remember, Deshaun Kaiser was the second-round pick for the Browns last year. He started last year. He went 0-15 as a starter. 
Um, and a lot of Packers fans think that Deshaun Kaiser is the next quarterback that will follow Aaron Rodgers. I don't buy that. A, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is going to play for quite a while longer. And, uh, and B, I don't think Deshaun Kaiser is any good. I think Deshaun Kaiser really stinks. I watched a lot of his preseason. It's not good. Who, here's who I do love. I, I, I followed the Packers pretty closely, actually, in the preseason. It's one of the few teams I tried to watch all their games. I love the Packers' undrafted free agent quarterback, Tim Boyle. He's accurate. He's, he's far more accurate than Deshaun Kaiser. And I really am curious to see how he develops. I wonder if he, at some point he will play for the Packers or, or maybe somewhere else. Because Tim Boyle, uh, he looks pretty good. I know that's weird to say. Nobody, nobody really will agree with me on that. Um, but I, I love the way Tim Boyle throws the football. He's more accurate than Deshaun Kaiser. He's more accurate, I think, than Brett Hundley. And I love the way he throws. He looks like Aaron Rodgers when he throws the football. Um, and it, it looks like Tim Boyle and Aaron Rodgers get along pretty well, which is cool to watch on the sideline. So uh, Aaron Rodgers, he is the man in Green Bay. We already knew that. But if you didn't know that anymore, they reaffirmed it when they traded away their backup. They realized, look, we can't win without Aaron Rodgers. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I'm going to talk about Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey's been talking a lot. Is that good? Is that bad? I'll let you decide down the road. Cam Newton looks fantastic. I've been uh, really critical of Cam Newton all preseason. I'm going to take a step back because I really like what he's shown this preseason. We'll talk about that. I'm going to talk about my prediction for Adrian Peterson. Should the NFL add two regular season games? Yes or no? I don't think so. We'll talk about that. And later down the road, I'm going to break down the college football week one, tell you the best games of week one, why you should watch them, why they're interesting to me. I'm going to tell you why Nick Foles should not start, or excuse me, repeat that. I'm going to tell you why Nick Foles should be the starter week one for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, I think the Seahawks are making some telling moves. So that's what's coming along later in the show. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, help me grow by telling your friends about the show. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Jalen Ramsey is a corner for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's entering his third year in the NFL. And recently, Jalen Ramsey has really been welcoming the spotlight. And what comes along with the spotlight is pressure, and he welcome, he's welcoming that as well. I love what he's doing. I love what Jalen Ramsey has been doing, and I respect it. Here's what Jalen Ramsey has been doing recently. He's been sharing his opinions. He's been saying the things he believes. I love this. It's something that's hard to do. As a guy who shares my opinions all the time, everywhere. Let me tell you, it's really hard to say what you actually think. When you open yourself up to criticism, it makes you kind of feel vulnerable. And it, what it does is it opens yourself up to a lot of hate, frankly, and the possibility of being wrong. You can be wrong when you make predictions and when you say your opinions. And I'm a person, I've let it go. I know that I'm going to be wrong sometimes. It's okay. But that's why I respect what Jalen Ramsey has been doing. Most of the things Jalen Ramsey has said recently, I agree with. I'm going to share my thoughts on them. Uh, there are three instances, three, I want to talk about recently. He talked about quarterbacks. Jalen Ramsey talked about almost every single starting quarterback in the NFL this year. We'll talk about that. I'm going to share my thoughts. He also spoke about the NFL helmet rule. I'm going to share my thoughts on that. And finally, Jalen Ramsey has responded to Odell Beckham Jr. signing a massive contract. So I'm going to, I'm going to break down every single one of these things and share my opinion, my thoughts, my reaction to what Jalen Ramsey said. So first, I want to talk about the quarterback list. I'm not going to talk about every quarterback, but there are four things he said that were most interesting to me. 
So first, what Jalen Ramsey said was he talked about Matt Ryan, and he said Matt Ryan is overrated. What Jalen Ramsey pointed out was that Matt Ryan won the MVP one year, and the very next year he loses his head, uh, loses his offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan, and he had a major, massive drop off. He suddenly was not any good, even though he had Julio Jones. Matt Ryan goes from MVP level to borderline like struggling, maybe a bust. And uh, I, I agree with everything Jalen Ramsey said. Look, it's weird. It's kind of an outlier year for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. He had a great year kind of out of nowhere. And we all say, well, Matt Ryan, clearly he's a great quarterback. No, Matt Ryan had a year with a great coach, Kyle Shanahan. That's my opinion. I agree with Jalen Ramsey. I think Jalen Ram. I think that Matt Ryan's somewhat overrated. I don't know that he is a great quarterback, top tier. I've said he's a second tier quarterback. He can win you a Super Bowl, but he's not up there with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Big Ben. Not in my opinion. The next thing Jalen Ramsey said was he talked about Big Ben. He called Big Ben Roethlisberger a disappointment. Now we also said Big Ben is a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he said Big Ben is a quote, has a huge arm, and he just throws it up to guys like Antonio Brown and his other great wide receivers. He's decent at best, but then he also mentioned he is a Hall of Famer. So I somewhat agree with this. First of all, Big Ben is a Hall of Fame quarterback. We can all agree, kind of without a shadow of a doubt. But he's not just a decent quarterback. His style is the way, the way that Big Ben likes to play. He likes to throw the ball up. He's not a precision quarterback. He's not Tom Brady. He has his own style, but it's not a bad style. And I, I would not say that Big Ben is decent at best. He plays differently than some quarterbacks. He's not a, a precision quarterback that will pick you apart. He throws it up. He does throw it deep. He maybe does need to have great wide receivers. Um, but he's still different is not bad. Big Ben is different than Tom Brady, but he's still an elite quarterback. Another thing Jalen said was he said Eli Manning was all successful because of Odell Beckham Jr. He said Odell Beckham Jr. is what makes Eli Manning. I completely agree. I 100% agree. Why is Eli Manning still in New York? And why do New York Giant fans always defend Eli Manning? First of all, he has two Super Bowls. It's hard to kick a guy out when you have that much success. But the reason why he's still around really now is because of Odell Beckham Jr. What is Eli Manning without Odell Beckham Jr.? Not great. Not, we saw it last year. It wasn't good. They went through a re and 13. It was ugly. The last thing Jalen Ramsey said about quarterbacks that I want to talk about at least is he said that Andrew Luck wasn't very good. And he credited the wide receiver T.Y. Hilton on the Colts for Andrew Luck's previous success. <laughs> I, uh... I strongly, strongly disagree with this. Here's, I don't blame Jalen Ramsey, though, for feeling this way. He's never played against Andrew Luck. Jalen Ramsey's 24 years old. He's only been in the league two years. And in those two years, Andrew Luck has been hurt. So Jalen Ramsey's never actually played against Andrew Luck. He's never seen it firsthand. And I think he's going to get a rude awakening this year. I can't wait to watch when Jalen Ramsey plays against Andrew Luck. That's good. He plays him twice this year. That'll be a fun, fun matchup. Jalen Ramsey didn't just talk about quarterbacks, though. He also talked about the new NFL helmet rule. So if you remember recently, Marquise Lee, one of the best wide receivers on the Jaguars, which is who Ramsey plays for, Marquise Lee got hurt. In the preseason, he got tackled at the knees, and he hurt his knees, got, he needs knee surgery, he's out for the year. 
Jalen Ramsey did not blame the person who tackled Marquise Lee. He blamed the NFL. He said because of the NFL's new helmet rule, nobody knows how to tackle anymore. I agree with Jalen Ramsey on this. See, the NFL made this new helmet rule, and an unintended consequence is it really hurts not only defenders, but nobody knows really what's illegal and what's not illegal. It's kind of ambiguous right now. So yeah, I agree. The reason why Marcus Lee got hurt, you can very well blame it on the NFL, is nobody knows what they're doing with tackling anymore, so they took out his legs, and it hurt Marcus Lee. But he's, he's, guys are scared to put their head down now because oh, that's illegal, so what do we do? That's the problem with the new NFL rules, that it's, it's not as clear as it could be and may, maybe should be. Now, maybe that's intentional, I don't know. But the fact that you can interpret it one way or another, that's not great. That's a flaw with the NFL rule. Finally, the last thing I want to talk about that Jalen Ramsey said. When Odell Beckham Jr. signed the largest contract for a wide receiver in NFL history, Jalen Ramsey pointed out that they play the Giants week one. The Giants play the Jaguars week one. And uh, he said it's like Batman versus Joker. It's a big, big matchup. I love that. I love that Jalen Ramsey has the balls to say, Eli Manning signed a big contract Bring it on. Let's go to battle. Sorry, Eli, I meant Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. signs a big contract. Bring it on. Let's go. Let's fight. That's awesome. Sports is all about storylines. And Jalen Ramsey has handed us sports fans storyline after storyline after storyline. Because he plays Big Ben this year. He plays Andrew Luck twice. He's going to play against Odell Beckham Jr. The more he talks the more controversy there is, the more interesting it is for me. Because now me, a sports fan, a guy who wasn't really, I probably wasn't going to watch. I would have watched the highlights and caught up with what happened with the Jaguars and the Giants. Now I'm fully invested. I can't wait to watch. I'm curious how Eli Manning does. I'm curious how Blake Bortles does. And I probably, you know, now that I think about it, I probably would have watched this game because I care about Blake Bortles. I want to see how he does. But this new quote from Jalen Ramsey makes me even more curious. I hope that Jalen Ramsey does not stop talking. It's great. It's awesome. And he's not a quarterback, so he can get away with it. I dropped my pen. I dropped my pen. If you watched it, I just flung it behind me for no reason. It was kind of embarrassing. I want to shift gears now to Cam Newton. The Carolina Panthers brought in a new offensive coordinator, Norv Turner, and their hope was that they could help Cam Newton. Their hope was that this precision offense Norv Turner runs would help Cam Newton become a more precise quarterback, a more accurate, more precision quarterback is how I would put it. Now, three games into the NFL preseason, Cam Newton looks really good. I'll admit it. He looks precise. He's throwing great back shoulder throws. He's throwing deep comebacks where only his guy can get the ball. He looks accurate. He looks like he's fine-tuned some things. He looks really efficient. I like it. And here's how the stats work out through the first three games of the NFL preseason for Cam Newton. In game one, Cam Newton was six for nine. He had 84 yards. But here's the key. His his completion percentage was 66%. Now in game two, Cam Newton was nine for 12, 89 yards, had a touchdown against the Dolphins. He also had a pick. It was a bad pick. I can't really defend it. All I could really say is, well, maybe he's learning a new system. But I don't know. It was a bad pick. I, I can't really defend it. But again, the key here is, in the second game of the season, Cam Newton had a 75% completion percentage. 
And in game three, he was 11 for 17 at 142 yards against the Patriots. And again, had a 65% completion percentage. Now look, he's not playing full games. And it is the preseason. Remember the preseason, I always say they're simplified defenses. You're not playing a lot of starters. I really, what I always say is that it's kind of like arm wrestling a young child. If you arm wrestle a six-year-old, you should win. If you're not successful when you arm wrestle a six-year-old, it's a problem. We should all be concerned. But it's worth saying that if Cam Newton has numbers like this, if his completion percentages are 65, 75, 66 through the first three games of the NFL regular season, that'd be really exciting. Because it would show Cam Newton's making progress. Eight years into his career, he's really developing and growing as a passer. That would be so cool. I want to talk about one more thing with Cam Newton. Another thing worth noting. In the preseason game week three against the New England Patriots, Cam Newton dove ahead for a first down and he fumbled. A lot of people thought this was an easy thing to criticize. I thought I saw a meme going around. It was like, you know, Cam Newton won't dive for a fumble in the Super Bowl, but he'll dive for a first down in a meaningless game. Again, I, I get it. I don't like fumbles, and I understand why people are critical of Cam Newton for doing this. But I want it very clear. I want Cam Newton running the football. I, like, I'm glad. Cam Newton looks great in the pocket. He's throwing with precision. It's encouraging. I hope he changes as a passer. But Cam Newton also has a gift. Cam Newton can do things nobody else can do. He's the biggest guy on the field playing quarterback who can run fast and run people over. Cam Newton should use his ability to run. He can do things nobody else can do. I hope he's a great passer. I hope he's an efficient, awesome passer, but he also should run because if he can run and be a great passing pocket quarterback, that is terrifying. I'm excited for Cam Newton. I hope he runs a lot this year, but I also hope he's an efficient passer because that is so cool. That shows progress for Cam Newton. So I, I applaud Cam. I'm giving him credit. We'll see if he can keep it up. We'll check back in the regular season. How is Cam Newton doing with that? But I really hope Cam Newton continues his success in the regular season because he looks pretty damn good in the preseason. Let's talk about Adrian Peterson. In the preseason, Adrian Peterson looks really good. It's encouraging. I I like it. Um, He's making great cuts. He's hitting the holes really hard. Uh, And and what he does is he shows that he has enough speed, even at 33 years old, to get to the outside. I I like that. Adrian Peterson looks pretty solid. But I want to make a prediction that Adrian Peterson's production, that his, the way he looks right now is not how he will look in about week eight, nine, or 10. So I want to apologize first. I made a really boring video. All I really said in this video was I talked about Adrian Peterson. All I really said was he's old. And I'll, I'll own it. It was boring. Past is the past. You know, hey, fine. Criticize me if you want. I'm not, I don't, I don't mind being criticized. But I want to now talk about how does Adrian Peterson's age, how will that affect his season? Here's how that's going to work out. Either Adrian Peterson is going to get hurt later in the year. He's, his body's going to wear down and he'll get hurt. Or he'll simply just slow down. Because productivity is going to go down. He won't be as efficient of a runner. Again, he's 33 years old. Adrian Peterson is 33 years old. His body's not going to recover well this year. He's not going to run as fast in week 11 as he will week one. His body's not going to be the same week 11 as it is right now. So that's, that's my prediction. Adrian Peterson's body's going to decline. He might look pretty good week one through six, week one through seven. 
Call me in week 12. How does Adrian Peterson look? I don't, I don't buy it. I don't think he's going to look great. We'll see. Well, time will tell. I don't want to spend too much time on this. I don't want to bore anybody. But uh, I, I don't believe in Adrian Peterson long term. I think he'll have some success early on and then peter out. He does look good now. But talk to me in week 12. If he's still playing at a high level week 12, I will eat my words. I will be wrong. But I don't think he, that Adrian Peterson can keep it up through an entire 16-game season. <clears throat> so uh, the Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, offered a new solution to how he could fix the preseason. Jerry Jones said the NFL should make the preseason into two games and then add another two games to the NFL regular season, go from 16 games in the regular season to 18. And he also said, in this weird quote, he also said that somehow going from 16 games in the regular season to 18 would make the NFL safer. I don't know how you do that in your head. I don't know how the math works out there that you can play more games and be safer in an incredibly violent sport. Um, but look, this is just really silly. I will even, I will give, I will go the extra mile that Jerry Jones didn't. What Jerry Jones could have said was, well, look, if guys play full speed in two more games rather than half speed or not full speed in the preseason, they're less likely to get hurt. I would have shot that down. It's dumb because guys, don't, starters don't play in at least two games of the preseason. But uh, at least you could have tried to argue it. As far as I can tell, Jerry Jones didn't even offer a good reason for why adding two games to the regular season would make it more safe. Here's what I understand. I understand that I understand why teams would want to shorten the NFL preseason down to two games. That that's great. I I think I, I don't I will tell you why I don't love that in a minute, but I understand that at least cuz the preseason is somewhat meaningless to most players in the NFL. But what I don't understand and what you should not do at any cost at all do not add two games to the NFL regular season. That would be a massive, massive mistake, and it would be just a greedy, stupid move. Honestly, I wouldn't even change the preseason personally. Uh, and, and I surprised myself when I was trying to figure out how I felt about this. I was actually surprised. I would have thought I would say, I want to shorten the preseason. But I want to examine something. Look at how Andrew Luck has... Look at how... If you go look at his stats, I, I wish I'd prepared them. I didn't. I apologize. But Andrew Luck, or filmed something, but Andrew Luck has dramatically improved from week one to week three in the preseason. Having four games in the NFL preseason has helped Andrew Luck tremendously. Andrew Luck just needed time. Andrew Luck has needed time to get back into the swing of things. That's great. That's awesome. See, my, my fear with Andrew Luck, here's what I don't want. What I do not want is to have... Guys come out week one of the NFL regular season and not be ready. Tom Brady played extended time in the preseason this year. He needed to work with his new wide receivers. He doesn't know any, he's learning who they are as players and yada yada. Remember, they, they've had a massive fluctuation in the wide receiver position in New England. Tom Brady needed four games so he could work with his guys as much as he could. Cam Newton, Cam Newton got a lot out of the preseason. He's working into Norv Turner's new offense. He's learning some stuff. It's really good for him. Not only is the preseason good for guys getting ready for the regular season, it's also really key for developing backups. Remember, some of these guys playing in the preseason, this is the only time they're going to play all year until someone gets hurt. I want my backup corner getting reps, getting ready to go, so that if my starting corner gets hurt, 
He's gotten some reps before. He knows how to play a little bit. I don't know. I, I think the preseason is good as it is. As weird as that is to say, as much as that surprises me, you don't have to play. If you don't want your players getting hurt in the preseason, don't play them. Todd Gurley didn't play. Your starting quarterback doesn't need to play. Only play him if he needs to. But if he does, it should be available for teams to take advantage of that time. If Andrew Luck needs that time, I hope he gets it because I don't want Andrew Luck going out week one not ready to play. I, I, I just And I don't see what's wrong with playing your backups for an entire game. Starters play an entire game. You don't care about losing, play your crap. If you don't want your starters to play in the preseason, play your crappy backups. Get them a lot of reps, get them some film. They'll be happy to get some playing time. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't shorten it. But if you're going to do anything, if you're going to change anything, I wouldn't change anything about the NFL season. I like having four preseason games. I like having 16 regular season games. But if you make a change, excuse me, if you make a change, at, get rid of two preseason games. But do not, under any circumstance at all, do not, do not, do not, do not add two more regular season games. That is just greedy. There's enough injuries as it is. 16 games, honestly, is pushing NFL players really as far as you can go. I don't need NFL owners getting greedy saying, we can make more money if we have 18 regular season games instead of 16. You're pushing it already. Don't. Not to mention, as me, a stat guy, it would really screw up. It would horribly screw up all NFL. We'd be arguing for years. Well, look at Tom Brady threw for 6,000 yards. Oh, he played in three more, in two more games. I don't want to get there. I don't want to have those arguments. So let's just leave it as it is. I would like to leave it as it is. But if you do change anything, remove two preseason games. Do not add two extra games. There's no way playing two extra regular season games is safer. The more football you play, the more likely you are to get hurt. It, it just, I don't know how you, I don't know what Jerry Jones is thinking. Do not add two more regular season games to the NFL season. All right, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I'm going to break down college football week one. I'm going to tell you why I love Nebraska's head coach. I'm going to talk about why Nick Foles should not start for the Eagles. Uh, excuse me, I keep saying not. Nick Foles should be the starter week one for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll tell you why. It's an interesting one. And look, the, the Seahawks are making some weird moves, some very telling moves with the players they are signing. Uh, again, coming up, we'll break down college football week one. It's what I would want as a viewer. You can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best most interesting clips. If you like strong opinion sports as much as I do, help me grow the show by telling your friends about it. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. I want to share a hope and a desire I have for strong opinion sports. So I'm, I'm a full-time college student. Um, I take 16 credits. I, I am two years left in college, so I'm done. Someday what I really want to do for this show is have a bunch of graphics. I would love to hire a producer, a guy that does a little bit more editing for me so I can focus on writing, and I'd love to do five shows a week. And, but one of the main things I want someday is to have graphics. This is a segment I wish so badly, and, and maybe I will, maybe, maybe I'll take some extra time for the breakout segment. It won't, the full episode will not have any graphics, but maybe the breakout will, because um, I can do that a little bit. I'm just, I have limited time. But this is my, I want to do a breakdown week one of college football, tell you the most interesting games. And this is a segment I just really wish I could put some graphics. You could see what I'm talking about on the screen. This is what I wish I could get as a viewer. My, you know, I, um, 
I want to break down week one of college football. I'm going to tell you the most interesting games of the week, in my opinion, and why I think they're interesting, why I think they're worth watching. So the first game I want to talk about is Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific time or 12 Eastern on Fox. Florida Atlantic University or Lane Kiffin's school in Florida will play number seven, Oklahoma. This game is interesting because we have Kyler Murray, a quarterback for Oklahoma, who is going to eventually go play baseball. And then again, it's interesting because of Lane Kiffin. I do not believe Florida Atlantic has any chance of winning this game. I don't think they will. Uh, They have a chance. This could be an upset, but I doubt it, right? I think Oklahoma's going to win. My question is, how competitive is it? Is it a highly competitive close game, or does Lane Kiffin's squad get blown out by Oklahoma? I have no idea what to expect. I'm interested in that. The same time, 9 a.m. Pacific, Eastern time, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 o'clock Eastern time on Fox Sports 1, number 23, Texas, plays Maryland, who's out of the Big Ten. Texas should win, but this is, if you're looking for competitive football, Texas and Maryland is a, an interesting game, a competitive game, and it's, it is very possible Texas, if they get upset, it'd be, a, it'd be big, big news in Texas. I'd be curious to see that. At 12.30 p.m. Pacific Time, 3.30 Eastern Time on ABC, still on Saturday, number six, University of Washington, will play number nine, Auburn. Washington out of the Pac-12, Auburn out of the SEC. I believe Auburn's going to win this game. See, Washington is the Pac-12's best chance to have a team make the college football playoff this year. And now, maybe USC, I, I don't think they'll ever, uh, possibly, right, but I don't think, I don't believe in USC, and I don't really believe in Washington I, I think you, USC could actually win the Pac-12. I don't know if they'd make the college football playoff, but Auburn is just bigger and better than the University of Washington. Auburn's bigger, better, and they have a better quarterback. I like Jarrett Stidham more than I like Jake Browning, the quarterback in Washington. I'm predicting Auburn to beat Washington. At the same time, 12.30 uh, p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 Eastern time on CBS, the SEC's Tennessee Volunteers will play the number 17 West Virginia Mountaineers. Here's why this game is interesting. West Virginia has possibly a top quarterback in the NFL draft class next year. Will Greer is projected to be a top NFL quarterback next year. So what you get to see on Saturday is Will Greer playing an SEC defense. I'm just curious how that works out. How does Will Greer look against really top-level athletes? At 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 o'clock Eastern time on Pac-12 Network, you have USC hosting UNLV in L.A. The reason why you should watch this game is because of USC's true freshman quarterback, JT Daniels. He's interesting. I just, I'm watching for that. I'm excited to watch JT Daniels play for USC. The biggest game of the weekend is at 4.30 Pacific time, 7.30 Eastern time on NBC. This game is Michigan, number 14 Michigan, playing at number 12 Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. John Harbaugh has the best quarterback he's ever had at Michigan. He has Shea Patterson, a transfer from uh, Mississippi, from Ole Miss. He's a potential NFL quarterback. Shea Patterson's fantastic. This is a game that I would be surprised if John Harbaugh didn't win. In my opinion, John Harbaugh's often underrated. Now, he's, he's, people believe in him, right? There's a lot of, no one's saying John Harbaugh's not given his due credit. But people in Michigan especially are really hard on John Harbaugh. I think what John Harbaugh's done is incredible. And I, I really hope that John Harbaugh wins this game. I like his quarterback. I don't think his quarterback... I don't think Shea Patterson's a great NFL quarterback, but he's definitely a great college quarterback. And I can't wait to see what Shea Patterson and Jim Harbaugh can do together. If I said John, I meant Jim. 
at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ABC, number one Alabama plays Louisville. The only reason to watch this game, Alabama's going to win this game, no doubt. But it's interesting because it's play, they're playing in Orlando and Alabama's quarterback situation. Do they play Jalen Hurts or do they play Tua Tungavaloa? I don't know. I hope it's Tua. That's my, my favorite quarterback of the two. I think he's better. He's a better thrower. But we will see. It's very interesting to me. Now, on Sunday, we have left Saturday. Saturday's over now. Saturday, we saw Michigan, Notre Dame. We saw Alabama. We saw Will Greer from Mount, uh, West Virginia. Saturday's over. Let's move on to Sunday. Here's the best game on Sunday. There's only one that I can find. On Sunday, 4 p.m. Uh, 4.30 Pacific Time, 7.30 Eastern Time on ABC, number 8 Miami plays number 25 LSU. It's a great matchup. Now, on Monday... 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern on Monday. I don't know the network. I apologize. Number 20, Virginia Tech, plays number 19, Florida State. Great matchups. So here's the thing. Week one of college football normally really stinks. This is a pretty good matchup. You have number 20 playing number 19. You have Miami playing LSU, 8 playing 25. Uh, Alabama plays an interesting game. UW-Auburn is good. USC gets to play their fresh, a true freshman quarterback. Week one of college football is fantastic. I hope, you, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you appreciate that list because that's what I would want as a, a viewer. I want to know what games are interesting, what I should watch and pay attention to. That's what I'd pay attention to. Last but not least, the only thing I left, with, left to say is I'm not going to watch Ohio State and Oregon State, but I'm going to watch the highlights because I'm curious just what happens. How badly does Ohio State crush Oregon State and who in the world is Ohio State's quarterback. How, excuse me, how well does their quarterback play? Because I don't, I, don't really, like, eh, I, don't, I don't really know what to expect there. I wanted to move on to Scott Frost. I love University of Nebraska's head coach, Scott Frost. Scott Frost is a fantastic guy. The first time I, remembering, the first time I remember loving Scott Frost is when Scott Frost was hired as the Nebraska coach. He was still at the University of Central Florida as the head coach there. Now, he decided to stay at University of Central Florida through their bowl game. He got hired before the bowl game happened, but he stayed on at UCF through the bowl game. That's rare. That's really rare. Usually, coaches will leave before the bowl game so they can get a head start on recruiting. What that tells me is that Scott Frost cares about his players. He sacrificed recruiting to help the guys that he'd been with for all that time at University of Central Florida. Scott Frost cares about his players. I have more evidence of that. Scott Frost is now allowing the former Nebraska quarterback, Tristan Jebbia, to transfer to Oregon State. He's leaving Nebraska. He's transferring to Oregon State. Jebbia lost the quarterback battle to true freshman Adrian Martinez. And this is another rare move for a college football team to allow a guy to just up and leave, to just transfer. Scott Frost gave Tristan Jebbia a scholarship release. Most programs, many, most programs in college football fight when players try to transfer. They say, you can't leave. We're going to fight this. We're going to restrict you. You can't go to this team or that team. You can only go to these couple crappy teams that no one wants to be on. That's not at all what Scott Frost did. Scott Frost gave Tristan Jebbia a release. And what that tells me is, again, at his own expense, Scott Frost did what's best for the player. That's so great. Look, Scott Frost does not have a solid backup. Scott Frost is getting hurt by allowing this guy to leave. He may not need him, but if 
the freshman, true freshman Adrian Martinez gets injured, they have no backup plan. What this is is goodwill. I love that Scott Frost is doing this. If I'm a college football player around the nation, I would take notice. Oh, wow. Repeatedly, Scott Frost has shown us he cares about his players. Long term, that's going to really benefit Scott Frost. If I'm a recruit, if I'm an 18-year-old guy considering a college and Nebraska offers me, I'll say, yeah, I'm going to go with Scott Frost. Because even if I leave his program, he's got my back. He wants what's best for me, the player. He stuck with UCF through their bowl game. He allowed a quarterback to transfer when most teams would block him. I applaud Scott Frost. I love Scott Frost because he clearly shows he cares more about his players than he does his, himself. He, he allows his players to do things at his own personal expense to help young football players. That is so awesome. I love, I love Scott Frost. Can't say that enough. <clears throat> the week one starter for the Eagles still has not been named. The Philadelphia Eagles head coach, Doug Peterson, just said that he will decide on Friday who the starting quarterback is for the Eagles week one. So it's either going to be Nick Foles. Nick Foles, remember, was the Super Bowl MVP last year. But Nick Foles has played horribly, terribly in the preseason. It's either going to be Nick Foles or the potential MVP candidate quarterback, Carson Wentz, who is coming off of an ACL injury. Carson Wentz was injured last year. He's coming off of an ACL injury. I would start Nick Foles. Even though Carson Wentz is clearly far and away better, even though in the past I have trashed Nick Foles. I don't, Nick Foles is just an average quarterback. He's not that great. If Nick Foles starts all year last year, the Eagles, don't, not only do they not win the Super Bowl, they don't make the playoffs. But I would choose to start Nick Foles week one, not Carson Wentz. The reason is because if there's any doubt at all about Carson Wentz, ACL, I, I'm not taking a chance. I'm not taking the risk. There's no rush. Nick Carson Wentz has a long career ahead. In the scheme of things, missing week one or week two in 2018, that's worth it. It's worth it to get Carson Wentz back to 100%. The thing is, if Carson Wentz gets re-injured, that's terrible. You don't want to risk that. That would be awful. Please, if you're the Eagles, do not risk Carson Wentz getting injured. If there's any doubt at all about Carson Wentz, there's no question I'm playing Nick Foles. Not at all. I, even if Nick Foles loses me two, three games, I'm playing Nick Foles, not Carson Wentz, because I do not want Carson Wentz to get re-injured and have to restart the rehabilitation process. Last thing I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the Seattle Seahawks. <clears throat> the Seattle Seahawks signed receiver Tyler Lockett to an extension. It's three years worth $37.8 million, $20 million guaranteed. Now, if you remember, Tyler Lockett has been to one Pro Bowl. But in contrast, so the Seahawks signed a wide receiver. In contrast, their six-time Pro Bowl safety 29-year-old Earl Thomas is still unsigned by the Seattle Seahawks. Earl Thomas has said, give me an extension or trade me. Sign me or pay me or trade me. I'm not going to play this year unless you pay me. Earl Thomas is still holding out. Here's what that shows. Here's my takeaway from this. The fact that the Eagles, the, the Seahawks have signed a wide receiver but will not sign one of the best safeties in the NFL tells me this. The NFL is just changing. 
Wide receivers are more valuable than ever, and safeties have lost basically all their value. I mean, again, in comparison, Earl Thomas is one of the best safeties in the NFL. Tyler Lockett is a middle-of-the-road. Now, maybe upper middle-of-the-road, but he's a middle-of-the-road wide receiver. They gave Tyler Lockett more money before they gave Earl Thomas more money. Again, this goes back to the NFL catch rule. The NFL catch rule has changed wide receivers. They now have a benefit this year. And it also changed because of the helmet rule. Because of the helmet rule and the new catch rule, defenders are not worth what they used to be. I'm curious to see if a a good high-level safety ever signs for big money ever again. I don't know that they will. We've seen marginal wide receivers, Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks, now Tyler Lockett signed for big contract extensions. And that's because the NFL is changing. The NFL changed its rules and general managers are adapting by signing receivers and nobody is touching. Nobody's going to sign safeties to big-term money. Long-term deals with a lot of money. It's not going to exist for guys like Earl Thomas probably ever again. I'm really curious to see if that happens. Because again, receivers are getting ridiculous money. And the reason is because the NFL has changed. It's changed its rules and it's, it's now shifting the attention because of the rules it gives and the money it gives to wide receivers. All right, my name is Zach Schaumler. That is all I have. If you're listening through the walls, my next door neighbors, I'm so sorry. I, I, uh, this is what I do, man. I, it's now, what time is it? It's 1022. I should just end the show. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, help me grow by telling your friends about this show. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be back on Friday. I hope you guys have a great day. Remember, I'm updating my NFL predictions uh, either probably now Monday or Friday, depending on if I need the weekend to work on it. It's coming really slow, but it is coming, and I'm excited to share that with you guys. My name is Zach Schaumler. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done. Bye.